Today's podcast is brought to you by NetApp and TD Synex, produced in collaboration with GovExec's Studio 2G. To learn more about how NetApp and TD Synex are helping organizations across the public sector leverage data for artificial intelligence, visit netapp.com forward slash partners. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for today's Security Stories podcast. My name is Troy Schneider, and I'll be your host of today's episode. Last month, Navrina Singh, an appointee to the Department of Commerce's National AI Advisory Committee, spoke with John Breeden II of the Tech Writers Bureau about the importance of developing secure and scalable artificial intelligence. During that discussion, Singh drew attention to the Department of Energy's AI Risk Management Playbook, or AIRMP, praising it as a much-needed guidance. The AIRMP provides comprehensive direction on common risk factors and mitigation strategies, but above all, it solidifies the DOE as a leader in ethical AI development. For agencies looking to follow in that department's footsteps, what do they need to know? We're going to get into that a little bit today and to discuss the DOE's AIRMP and what this means for government users more broadly. I'm joined by Bobby Roundtree, who is NetApp Public Sector's AI and machine learning leader. Bobby, thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. You have a really interesting history from entrepreneurial roles to working as a systems administrator for the U.S. Department of Agriculture, and then obviously your current work at NetApp. Can you take just a couple minutes to tell our listeners about yourself and how you came to work at NetApp? I am AI and ML leader for NetApp and also PhD candidate in data science. I've been in the government industry probably for about 11 years where pretty much focused on every aspect of data, everything from ingestion of the data to preparation, to transforming, storing the data, sharing the data, you name it. I've worked with many storage and data management vendors throughout my time. So I started off as a computer science major when I got into my career, working at the United States Department of Agriculture, working with different vendors like EPC, Hitachi working as a storage architect for Arial Systems and also as a developer for NASA. But I've always supported the U.S. public sector and intelligence community. So my history has definitely been focused around the data market all the way from beginning to end, like I said, data gestion all the way to visualization. And as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, there are many throughout government who are really celebrating the release of this AI risk management playbook. Given your experience and as you watch how cybersecurity has changed and how it's likely to change over the next few years, how do you see that playbook evolving to meet demands and what can DOE do to prepare? I want to start off by saying and making a statement that a lot of people probably understand and know that unfortunately benefits won't come without the risk. So when implementing AI technology, Companies must pay special attention to their associated challenges, such as data protection, along with the cost implementation. So to start with the initial question, we're really focusing around evolving the ARRP being able to evolve to make cybersecurity demands. We have to focus on those use cases. There's some specific use cases we should focus around. Things like data classification, fraud detection, risk management, risk reduction threat analysis and management. And we think about things like fraud detection. We're thinking about how this traditionally requires intense analysis processes for financial institutions and insurers. You have AI systems that can substantially increase the workload 
of these processes and reduce fraud threats by using ML models that focus on text mining, social media analysis, database searches. We think about risk reduction. That's a very important piece as well, especially in the cybersecurity field. We're really focusing on how AI provides the ability to evaluate unstructured data. We're not talking about just the structured data, unstructured data about risky behaviors in the organization's operation. So AI algorithms that are out there, they can now identify those patterns of behavior related to past incidents and transpose them into those risk predictors in place as well. And then also, just to add on to that, right, so now we're getting deeper into the Department of Energy, really focusing on how they can prepare for this. And so when you are looking into that, you have to really focus on things like monitoring your environment, model development, data source, ideation, and dealing with monitoring. When you think about the monitoring specific use case, like other risk management tools, the use of AI must be constantly evaluated and constantly adjusted as well. And so it's critical to consider the dynamic needs of the organization and the possible drawbacks that this technology may present. You mentioned several different facets of data management and how to approach it there, but I want to talk about a specific term of unified data control. And I'd be curious if you could talk a little bit about how you would define that term and then how unified data control can help agencies work toward better risk management, particularly when it comes to the algorithms and making sure that they're as free of bias as possible. When I think about unified data control, or data management. It is where there is a range of disparate data sources consolidated to create a single source of data or a single source of truth, if you will, and is stored in a central location, such as the data warehouse or an object store, like NetApp Storage Grid, that is in place as well. And so just to take it back, I know we talked about bias-free algorithms, we talked about algorithms in place and how unified data control could really help that out. So Though algorithm bias is the popular term that plays these things, we have to really understand that the foundation of this bias is not in the algorithm itself, it is in the data. Algorithms are not the bias piece, it's the data that is being put into there that is the actual bias piece. So no matter the bias itself, you have interaction bias. And an example of that could be facial recognition algorithms trained on data sets containing more of one race or culture versus another. And you have things like latent bias, where an algorithm may incorrectly identify something based on historical data or because of the stereotype that already exists in society. So it may recognize a doctor to be a male or one gender and not another gender. And because the data tells the doctors are primarily maybe men, you have selection bias as well, right? A data that overrepresents a certain group or underrepresents another group. For instance, maybe machine learning algorithms are taught through the data, not the algorithms being biased itself, but they're taught through the data by scraping internet for information. That major search engines and their algorithms were developed in the West, maybe. So therefore, algorithms are often most likely to recognize a bride and a room in a Western-style wedding, but fail to do so in maybe an African-American wedding or African-culture wedding. 
So to answer your question, we need to really focus on the data that's fed into these algorithms or trained by these algorithms and unified data system or a unified data control system, a central location where you're hosting and holding all of that data is very key to be able to do federate learning place as well. And some of the things I recommend a lot of organizations start thinking about are people need to understand that you can't blindly trust this algorithm. In the development of algorithms, you need to ensure the data sets are unbiased itself, not the algorithm, but the data set. I strongly stress that. And we also need to get better at constantly testing algorithms to ensure they are not unfairly marginalizing communities place as well. So this means creating assessments to assess the data that's being biased. And we also need better constantly test these algorithms to ensure that we're reviewing the processes over and over. So the processes should be reviewed over and over again. And that enables us to track the influence of the algorithm. And finally, I would say we need to improve the diversity of data and the people who are developing deploying and overseeing algorithms that are in place. We must have diverse voices in place at every stage of this journey, or the algorithms may continue to disaffect certain communities to the benefit of others. I want to come back to the people part in a minute, but to stay for a moment on the point that you made that it's the data that's potentially biasing the algorithm, because I think we don't hear it framed that way very often. And you mentioned the importance of continuing to test the models. And I know that some of this is going to vary depending on the project and the particular use case. But are there sort of fundamental best practices to guard against biased data? Are there things on your own checklist that should be done anytime an organization is bringing data sets in to be especially mindful of that bias potential? Definitely. I think it goes back to what I talked about before, the ideational piece, the monitoring piece, the data sourcing, the model development piece. Once we have the user data, we proceed to build this useful model. But there's this cleaning process beforehand to make sure that prior to even the model being built, I mean, there's several very prominent data scientists that are out there that have studied from like the 1960s, and they talk about how to make things more accurate in your data model. It's really about cleaning the data ahead of time. It's not really trying to further define the model or trying to make the model itself more accurate. So consider the level of transparency you want in AI operations. It stems back to, we're talking a lot about this data mesh model these days, but it stems back to the domain owner. So that domain data scientist that's out there that is in a specific field or industry Say it is the healthcare industry, say it is some intelligence community, mission critical industry, right? Government or education. That data scientist or the person that's feeding the data, it would be great for them. I truly believe they are the main focus right there when it comes to providing that algorithm, really legit, really clean, really unique data that is in place. And so really educate. Maybe that domain owner, the data scientist owner, the person that's feeding the data into the system, educating them on making sure that they're good stewards of their data, educating them, making sure that they are doing the cleaning themselves, 
because once it gets into the algorithm itself, once it gets into there, then and or the algorithm gets a hold of that data, it will do what it wants. So really just monitoring constantly with risk management tools you have to use AI or must be constantly evaluated and adjusted over time. Your point about ongoing education being key is also something that was spotlighted in the AI RMP. And you know, the Department of Energy noted that agencies and businesses are going to need to continually educate and upskill their employees. Are there resources that NetApp or TD Cynics can provide to help the Department of Energy or other government customers educate their customers? Absolutely. Whenever I speak with customers, I always push them. And I look at partners as customers as well, but we have a specific educational resources that are out there that can educate them on AI, ML, educate them on how there are many solutions out there, possibilities to be able to come up with a solution. And we're actually becoming that trusted advisor in a way. So one of them would be NetApp Universe. That is a set free online structure-lay courses and learning resources that are out there. We also have certifications that can be placed for you. These exams, they help confirm you as a test taker or confirm with that product itself. And you have knowledge to deploy NetApp solutions that are out there. And we also have something called authorized learning partners. These are instructor-led training that is provided by company partners itself. So that's how we scale being able to also go to partners well. Our partners are educated on some of the same things, no matter the size of the partner. I want to go back to something else you mentioned, which was the importance of diversity in the AI workforce as a guard against the unintended biases as we assemble data and, and figure out how to bring it into these models. Finding talented data scientists of any gender, race, color, or creed is difficult right now, given the, the demand. Do these training efforts allow government agencies to upskill people within the organization who are maybe not data scientists by training to bring that value? Or is there really a fundamental level of high-end math and data expertise that's needed before you can start to address bringing the diversity perspective in? For its education, it doesn't matter the subject, matter the stories, it doesn't matter. We really focus on education. I mean, I'm going through, and I definitely hope that all data scientists continue to try to relearn from beginning to end. And I'm even going through a very, very basic, very novice data science course right now within NetApp University. And it is really focused on everything we kind of talked about. Understanding different biases that are out there, right? The data that is being produced in it. And it does not matter what gender you are or what race you are. That app is really, really good at creating that education, that training, that is fundamental for everyone. So once you start there, once you log in, you can search for whatever you want in place as far as data science or data-driven technology. It can even be data analytics or it can be some of our main hardware products, some of our cloud products. It doesn't matter. And it's all the same type of training. I think that's super helpful. And I'm glad that you spoke a little bit more about that because sometimes there's the sense that data scientists are these unicorns or this rarefied group. And that may be true, but I think there's room for just about anyone who's working in this space to learn more about AI and ML and then be part of the solution here. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today, Bobby, and to share your insights on this important topic. 
Thank you, Troy, for having me. It's been a pleasure. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And thank all of you who are listening to this podcast. Security Stories was an exclusive three-part series brought together by High Point Technologies, NetApp, Presidio Federal, TD Cynics, and GovExec Studio 2G. Today's episode, Inside the Department of Energy's AI Risk Management Playbook, was written and produced by GovExec Studio 2G, NetApp, and TD Cynics. For more information on the AIRMP, visit energy.gov forward slash AI. And to learn how NetApp and TD Cynics support ethical AI, visit netapp.com forward slash partners. I'm Troy Schneider, and thanks for joining us. And thank you, the listeners of this podcast. Security Stories was an exclusive three-part limited series brought together by High Point Technologies, NetApp, Presidio Federal, TD Cynics, and GovExec's Studio 2G. Today's episode, Inside the Department of Energy's AI Risk Management Playbook, was written and produced by GovExec's Studio 2G, NetApp, and TD Cynics. For more information on the AI Risk Management Playbook, visit energy.gov forward slash AI. To learn how NetApp and TD Cynics support ethical AI, visit netapp.com forward slash partners.